Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning. Really appreciate you coming to class this morning. So last time we had left off, we were on, uh, okay, we're on 1 Peter chapter 3. So that's 1 Peter chapter 3. We're down, and I just want to read verses 20 through 22 to kind of refresh our minds, okay? So it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through 22. Who, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Now we were looking in our workbook. Does everybody have a workbook? Did y'all manage to? Okay, great. We were looking at chapter 3. We were looking at question. Uh, we're almost ready for 22. There was something I wanted to mention last week that we kind of ran out of time and I didn't, I didn't get it in. But if you look at verse 21 and question 21, question 21 was of what is the salvation of eight souls through water, a type. Um, and if you look at verse 21, the way it's worded, I don't know about you, I never use the word anti-type myself. And it's kind of phrased in an odd way, at least in the New King James Version. I've looked at a lot of the other versions, and some of them, I think, do a little clearer job of, of explaining that. But basically, um, I just wanted to say that if you look at some of the other translations, you know, it says something like, and this water symbolizes the baptism which now saves you. Uh, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I just think that's a little more clear because anti-type almost sounds like it's the opposite of something else and just sounds confusing to me. So, And I just wanted to make sure we were clear on that, that what they're really saying is that what they went through on the ark going through water is similar to or a comparison to us going through baptism, being saved through water through the resurrection of Jesus, of course. So anyway, so having said that, if we look at question 22, it says, how does baptism not save us? And this is looking at uh, verse 21 again. Yes, ma'am. I almost thought that was a typo when I first read it because it says baptism now saves you. Like, they need to say now, but then I saw how, how does it, how does it not? <laughs> so I think what they mean is, uh, it's not the removal of dirt from the body. It's not bad. It's right. Just, oh, you get in there and you're washing it up, and so that saves you somehow. It's not bad. Right. It's not a bath where we get in and we just clean ourselves up, and that saves us. I mean, if that was the case, we'd all just bathe all the time and we'd be fine. But that that doesn't work. <laughs> so that's not it, right? So how does it save us then? That's the second question, part of the question. Faith and obedience are necessary, right? Okay. It says there through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Because that is what we're doing. We're being buried with him in baptism and being raised again with him, right? 
That's a very spiritual thing, even though it's a physical act that we do here, it's a very spiritual thing. Does anyone have anything on that before we move on? Yeah, Matt? Well, the, the, I've, I've always kind of struggled with that a little bit. The, we bury people in the dirt, right? <laughs> and so, right. And so we, when we think about that idea of being buried with baptism, it's like, well, that's not how we bury people. But, but I think in the ancient mind, the sea and the water was like chaos and death. We talk about you know, all the dead sailors in the sea and that sort of thing. And so I think that's part of the idea. So that it's it's this burial in, in water, in death, and then we rise to walk in a new life. Right. It is. And you're right. There are mentions in the Bible, and I, I can't pull one up right now, but there are times when the sea is mentioned as a bad thing, as kind of a land of the dead or kind of a a waste expanse, which, I mean, it's not exactly that, but, I mean, they refer to it in that kind of way, like it's a bad place. Sometimes like, it gets parallel with Sheol. You know, <laughs> yes, like it's yeah. parallel with the grave right. and that's Sheol. That's the dead people are, because you're going to die at sea or something. Yes, yeah, that's it. They, they make that parallel comparison with it. So. And then, of course, the, the flood, which is what we're talking about. Yes. The flood. The flood did people, kill. Right? Yes. And comparing that to the flood where water did kill, and wiped the earth clean, except for these these who were saved, the eight that were on the ark. So, okay. So, if we look at question number twenty three, what was the final outcome of Jesus who suffered for righteousness' sake? Right. He uh, he went he was raised from the dead. He uh, went to heaven and is at the right hand of God. <laughs> Anything else? The angels, authorities, and powers are subjected to him. Angels, authorities, and powers have been made subject to him, right? Yeah. It's like in other places in the Bible we talk about, you know, what are we dealing with in this world? Principalities and powers. Well, authorities and powers, very similar idea here of what we're dealing with. And those are made subject to him. So, yes, Pat. In Matthew 28, 18, it says he has all authority. Right. Now say that again. Matthew 28, 18, right? Yeah, where Jesus says he has all authority. So, this is just, yes, Matt. You know, a lot of our religious neighbors will, will take the view that, like, a lot of us wrap up in premillennialism, where, where Jesus came to set up his kingdom, but he got killed and failed, and so he's going to come back and set up a kingdom. Yeah. Well, he's he's reigning at the right hand of God right now. His kingdom yes. is established. Now, of course, he is coming back, yes. but, but he had, did not fail to set up his kingdom. He's reigning. Right. He did not fail. His his. Okay, yeah. So to repeat what Matt was saying, or at least to kind of summarize, uh, some people do look at it that Jesus came to earth to set up a kingdom, but then he was killed and he failed. But that's not correct. They're misunderstanding what happened. He actually did set up his kingdom. It's it's for now. It's his spiritual kingdom. We know if you read Revelation and get to the end, you'll see that he's going to set up a real kingdom. It's going to happen, and it's going to be a new earth. And we don't have to get into all that right now. But that's what's that's what's going to be. So he We're has. Living in the Lord's kingdom now. We are living in the Lord's kingdom now. It's just it's a spiritual thing. Right. But we are living in the Lord's kingdom now. 
It's just not physically here yet. All right, so with that, does anybody have anything on that before we go to chapter four? All right, so we will move on to chapter four. And I'm just going to kind of skim through some of this stuff. We're going to kind of move on. We're going to get to the main points of the chapter, okay? Um, so the main points of the chapter here, if we look at verses 1 through 6, it'll be our duties as sufferers for righteousness' sake. And then if we look at the rest of the chapter, verses 7 through 19, it'll be our duties as those waiting for the coming of Christ, okay? So that's where we're going to start, and I'm going to read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. So with those verses in mind, we want to look at... Ha, ah, I just made it fit. Okay. I thought I'd overdone it. But anyway, if we look at question two... What two reasons are given for us to have the mind of Christ regarding suffering? Well, if we look at uh, verse 1, and if you, if you really break these verses out, sometimes it gets a little confusing. I, I think these verses are really better read together, like verse 1 and 2 are a complete sentence. But the whole idea, especially of the first five verses, these all walk together. Um, for the first three, even more especially, they're all a part of the same thought, right? So what he's uh, getting at here is that the two reasons given is that Christ has already suffered for us in the flesh, right? So he has already suffered for us. And then it says, he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And this is a little, a little different idea. If you, if you look at this, the idea is that we need to have the same. Now I'm kind of, I'm kind of extending down into the other verses. We have to have the same mind or attitude that Christ had. We have to be ready to accept and even expect some suffering and some difficulty in this life. And, you know, we have to be ready to be a little uncomfortable and maybe experience some hard things here and there and, and still be done with sin, not use that as an excuse to, to sin or otherwise stray. And this leads into verse 2, where 
it connects, but I don't really want to, I don't want to jump ahead on us in our questions. So, but uh, that's just the first part of that sentence. That's not the whole sentence. And, that, and he's making this statement. So, if we look at question three, which deals with the, the latter part of that sentence, how should one live in whatever time they have left in the flesh? No longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Right. We should be willing, I mean, living to complete the will of God, to fulfill the will of God, right? We're not using, again, we're not using hardship or these problems or suffering as an excuse. We're not following the easy, comfortable way of sin, which for our human selves, that is the easier way to go. It would be a lot easier. That's why we fall into sin so easily sometimes. It's, it's easy to mess up. It's easy to make mistakes. But, uh, and then if you look down at the next verse, that too is still part of what he's referring to. If you look at Question four, what sins are mentioned as being the will of the Gentiles? And I think of that as really, you know, what we see in the world, but what we see in society maybe is better. So he has a list, right? He has a list of things, right, that we shouldn't be doing, that we shouldn't be involved in. Lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. And uh, I think I looked at some different, uh, a lot of different translations, and there's a, it, it's all pretty much, you know, the same type of thing, same type of sinful living and things. And uh, he's going to continue on talking about some of that. So if we look at, Question. Yes. Yes. Go back for a second to verse one, where okay. it says, "Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin." That's kind of puzzling, I guess, mm -hmm. to think like also someone's perfectly never sinning or something. I, I think what he's saying is there's this dichotomy, right? We, we can choose to be in the world and get along with people who are trying to persecute us, or we can stand for the truth and suffer for it. And if we do that. We've, we've given up the sins and, and all that, right? We, and all this stuff we just listed out, because that's how we get along with everybody. We just right. go and do whatever they want and, and get in their parties and, you know, deny Christ and do what they want. But if we're standing for Christ and doing the right thing, we're going to suffer. And, and that's, by definition, ceasing from sin. We're, we're giving up all that garbage. And we're standing for right. We are. That is, that is, if you take and read this all as one thing, that's, that's the... The message he's trying to convey, and I, I you know, it's uh, it's difficult when we break it out like this sometimes to get that whole message. But yeah, the uh, the idea is that we choose not to sin; we choose to be done with that, to be finished with it. Yes. I think it's the idea of having self control and practicing the fruit of the spirit. But if we yep. align our life with the will of God and His Word. Yeah, it is about self-control and that choice to 
follow the will of God and to accept the fact that doing so is going to bring upon, you know, some suffering, some difficulties, you know, against the rest of society. We can see a lot of that nowadays, and I'll just say it that way. Um, so, yeah, those are those are good points that follow along with what he's talking about. Yes, Pat. I think also in uh, verse 1 where it says, arm yourself, uh, it also means to prepare yourself. And in yes. order to prepare yourself, it's, you need to study the Word to know how Christ suffered and how he handled his suffering. So that when we suffer, we have uh, a pattern to look at. Because in uh, verse uh, 16, we see that we're going to suffer. It says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this manner. Right, right. And, and in verse 1, like you mentioned, it says, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Your translation may say it slightly differently, same idea. Arm yourselves with the same mind of Christ, of course. And that's where I was, uh, that's, that's where uh, we were getting at saying, you know, have the same attitude, understand that this life is going to have difficulties and people are going to be against you just like they were with him. He's our example. Yes. To have the mind of Christ, we need to be in the Word, studying our Bibles, right? And then, of course, we need to have the armor of God. And I think of when you think of the mind, I always think of the helmet of salvation. And, you know, we need to make sure that we're equipped to deal with things. And the only way to do that is to be studying the Bible, is to be learning from God Himself. Yes. Yeah, the, I can't remember the exact. It's like prayerfully putting on each piece. It's that's a, approximation <laughs> to what is being said. Yeah. So yes, and that, that's important too. Let's see. Does anyone have anything else on that before we? All right. So we mentioned the sins. Okay. So I think we're ready for question five, unless somebody has anything on the rest of that before we got here. All right. So question five. How do people in the world react when you no longer do such things? They act like you're, well, in my case, my, some of my grandchildren think I'm a very old-fashioned, outdated person. They think you're a very old, very old-fashioned, outdated person. Well, that's that's true. They will treat us that way. So they, they treat us that way, and they treat us well a lot of times with disrespect. Right. They don't respect us for our beliefs or our following Christ. Right. They may not respect you for your beliefs. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yes, Shirley. And they'll call you goody goody. Oh, yes, they will call you goody two-shoes or goody-goody. Or, yeah, they'll kind of make fun of you. I've had people ask me direct questions like that before. It's kind of funny, and it's like, I can't claim that. I'm not that good, but, you know. Yes? I know when I first became a Christian, uh, 
I said literature to my parents about the word. And I asked my mother one time um, if she'd been reading them. And she said, as soon as they come to me, all your daddy takes them and throws them in the trash. Oh, okay. So I had, you know, there was just no hope there. So you were sending things to your parents, but they, but your your yeah. father was throwing it away. And, you know, they would call me a fanatic, things like that. They would call you a fanatic, yes, yes. And what's even worse, at least from my experience, is the people that knew you when you were possibly doing things that you shouldn't have been doing. But, I mean, because we've all had our times, right? But uh, those those folks find it the hardest to, to look at you and not uh, give you a hard time. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that you would choose not to go along with what they're doing. Yep. But I think today in our culture and what we're facing in society right now, particularly here in our country, um, Christians, those who are believers and want to follow the Lord, we're made out to be as a villain. There is so much anger and hatred and being ridiculed, mobbed, and... They will twist, they know enough scripture that they'll twist it to try to turn a Bible passage against us in some odd way. Um, But they really make us out as some kind of evil, unloving, and hateful type of person. There is a segment that wants to villainize Christians and conservative Christians, or however you want to say it. Just uh, there is a segment that wants to do that because. We stand for morals that they don't want to stand for. So that's true, and that and that may be a part of even this. Um, he says they think it's strange, and they speak evil of you, like you're saying they're trying to villainize us. Um, and that's, unfortunately, that's true, and that's part of that, uh, what we're talking about as far as suffering and perhaps being um, put upon uh for our beliefs, for standing for the Lord. But we have to do the things that are right. Even even if they say all kinds of things about us, whoever they are, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, but yeah, the, and there is, yes. The atmosphere right now is, is to the point of ridiculousness because questioning what is a woman and, you know, and looking at marriage, well, I don't need that piece of paper, I don't need marriage, and just, just we have to realize the people in the world are that are not that are not believing that are not following the Lord. We have to realize that they are. Um, there was something I read earlier this week. They are the perishing. They are dying without God, and they just don't know it. And we need to find a way to reach them. And I know some people are going to be unreachable, but still, um, but it's very difficult because they come with these ideas already. Firmly planted, so so that can be. They think the merciful God is never going to condemn them. They think that in the long run they're going to scoot into heaven because God's not going to condemn their wrongness. And that is such a sad thing when you try to point out to them God is so just that He will in the long run. They just think, no, that is so wrong. God, our merciful God, will never do that. I've heard that many times. He would never condemn us for our sins. Right. Now, some people do seem to have that belief that that they they believe that God is merciful and he will never condemn them for any sin. But I I don't see that in the Bible, and that's what I have to go by. See the exact opposite. Right. 
Yes. Matt, did you? Then there are people who don't just have the wrong idea about God, but they reject God. Yes. Heaven and hell and all of that. And so you're just infringing on my freedom to do whatever I want. And you're just a fool by putting all these constraints on yourself because it's a lie. And that's that's the way they'll portray it. That is the way some people believe. And they're like, keep your religion away from me because you're just being an idiot to the outplaying. Like you said, they, they consider us fools for following Christ and... And we're told, uh, we're told. I, I believe it was Paul somewhere that said basically that, um, yeah, they will, they will look at us as fools for believing. And that's a very loose paraphrase. So here, I did want to make sure not everybody, not everybody uses the same translation. I know, but. My translation uses the word dissipation, which is not something we use a lot today. So I want to make sure when they're talking about the dissipation, us not following them into these things, uh, they're talking about the uh, the flood. When they talk about do we, you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. Um, and that dissipation, that flood is of debauchery and decadence, waste and squandering. Uh, one translation says reckless indiscretion. It's just wild living and it refers back to those things listed in verse 3. So I just wanted to make that clear because again I never use that word so it's good to know what these words mean. Now if we I think we're I think we're good with five unless somebody has anything else. Okay. Alright so question number six to whom shall they have to answer? To the Lord, right? That's right. He who is ready to judge the living and the dead, and we know that's the Lord. And there's, if you if you have any doubt, you can look at Second Timothy, uh, chapter four, verse one. You know, Jesus will judge the living and the dead. The Lord will. So, um, that's a pretty straightforward question. So, does anybody have anything on that? Yes. I just wanted to add, I um, in the discussion that we were just having. Yes. So, people of society that are not believing as we believe, they they do think that if you're good, that's all you need to do is be a good person. I'm a good person. And it's hard to try to talk to those that feel that way because, yes, you are a good person. And I had a preacher once that would say, yes, being good might keep you out of jail, but it won't necessarily keep you out of hell. Right. And to know that and to try to not say that to somebody, even though that's what's in the back of my mind, thinking, <laughs> yep. yes, you're a good person, and you follow the rules, and you follow the laws, but are you following the Lord's ways? Right. And that's what's ultimately going to keep you out of hell and give you salvation. And, and this verse right here, as it says, <coughs> but they will have to give an accounting. Right. And so to try though, to warn those that you love of this world that are not following the Lord's ways, and, and it's just, it's hard. And especially as, as this young lady, I can't remember your name, as she's saying, the world is so difficult right now. And as all of you know, or most of you know, we're from Oregon. And Oregon is a very liberal state. Oh, okay. And, and so you see just we're bombarded. The Church of Christ in Oregon right now is just, we feel bombarded by the world and by everything going on. It's, it's difficult. So it's wonderful coming here and, and you feel like even in society, you feel a lot more conservative. Loving. Right, yeah. But it, it's, 
Yeah, being good, especially what's that standard of good? That that being good, that's just man's standard. That's society's standard of good. Well, that's ever changing. Look back 20 years ago, you never would have heard of some of the crazy things we hear and see today as far as like changing your child from being a guy to a girl or changing your girl to be a guy, that which is impossible anyway. But you never would have heard of that. 10 years ago, probably, but 20 especially. And those, these standards are just always changing and their weird fascination with pronouns, that's always changing every day and it's just crazy. And you see the alphabet suit people, they're adding letters to their name all the time and it just gets worse and worse. And anyway, so that standard of good is not a good standard, which I shouldn't use good both ways there, but you know what I mean. God's standard of good is what counts. His standard of good, of moral righteousness, is always the same. It's always correct. And that's the difference. Whereas society will always change. And we see declines like in, I think there's parallels to be made between America and Rome as far as declines in moral and morality and declines in you know, the things we see in society and how that looks bad, and it kind of looks bad for us at times. However, I think God is still keeping us safe largely because of us. He cares about us as Christians, and he wants to save everyone he can. So, sorry, off subject. Anyway, um, so, right. Appreciate that point, though. Uh, man's standard of good is not, is just not enough. So if we look at question seven, why was the gospel preached to those who are dead? You remember he referred back to the people who had died in Noah's time waiting for the ark to be built. But those people died. They were wiped away. Well, you take the, the dead as being, like you said, in Noah's day, the people who were doing the wrong thing. In our day, our friends and neighbors who are doing the wrong thing, they're, they're dead in sin. Yeah. That's, that's who we need to be preaching. Right. And I was, I was trying to look at that both ways. And I, I started right here just looking at it the first way. But you're right. There is a, there is a kind of two ways to look at that. I was looking at it initially, especially at first when, in reading this, because it says that Jesus, you know, uh, preached to those in, in prison, those who had died. It's because they had never heard the gospel. They had never had a chance to hear the gospel. So here, they had to be given, not necessarily had to be, but God wants, wants to give everyone a chance. So they got a chance to hear the gospel, to know the gospel, and make a decision. But then, there again, you're talking about applying that today, nowadays. Um, we were all dead in sin at some point in our lives, and we heard the gospel, and we had a chance to come to the Lord. And that's... That's how we need to look at that, too, is like that's who we need to be preaching to, talking to, trying to explain things to. Maybe preaching to isn't the best way because it has a bad connotation nowadays, but, uh, but still, trying to teach people about the Lord. Oh, yes. And I think with that, it's about how we live our lives every day. If we're living our lives in a way that we're shining our light, shining that light of Him, 
those who are lost and dying in sin, who are without his light and his love. That's how we can preach, in, in a way, by our example, to help lead them to him. Yeah, our example, our example in our daily lives, how we live and how we are, that can be a big help in drawing people to the Lord and just showing people if we set the right example, if we do the right things, a lot of times that will attract attention. Now, it's not always, but a lot of times it will. We get discouraged, you know, we think, well, I'm trying, what does it matter? But we need to keep letting our light shine, keep right. shining for now. We need to keep shining our light, because right. there are those that are looking and seeking him. And we need to be praying that he'll use us to lead someone Right, right. We need to we need to pray that we're always ready, right? That we're always ready, and I forget the exact, but in season and out of season, that we're ready to speak to someone about the Lord, ready to give a defense for our hope, all of that um, in Christ, our hope in Christ. I, I think that also yes. refers to people who have been died, that died, and have uh, lived the way they should have lived here on earth in the Spirit of God. So I think when they die, they could have also been preached to and they received the word. Okay, so you're saying that when they died, they lived. Oh, wait. I'm not sure I understand. I'm sorry. Did I say that again? It's like your grandma has lived a Christian all her life. Thank you. And she dies. Okay. She is, I think that's what that's referring to. So, say like if someone has been a Christian and lived a Christian life all their lives and they've died, but, but they will still, even though, even though they died in the flesh, they still live on according to God in the Spirit. That's what you're saying, right? Okay, gotcha. I understand. So, see, there's, there's another way to see that, that if someone has lived as a Christian, that they might, okay, so the men, yeah, so these people may judge us incorrectly in the flesh, even though we've lived a good Christian life, but we will live on. But our judgment, even our judgment doesn't mean anything. What matters is the Lord's judgment at the end. So that's one of the reasons I think we're, we're told not to bother judging each other, because it's not going to be any good. Yes, Pat? When uh, Christ uh, was preaching to those that were in the grave, Right. See, he's referring to those folks that are back before even the covenant with. Uh, so he's not preaching to those that died yesterday. Right. He's talking about those that died under the Old Testament. Right. Right. But as far as in the context here with these people saying bad of you and speaking evil of you, I can see how you could, you know, you could have take that this other way but but yeah he was when he was speaking to those in prison when he was preaching to those that was preaching to those who would have been before any covenant that would have involved the gospel as far as we know at that time they wouldn't have been involved in that um, and the gospel was not complete until um, he came back and was ascended up into heaven so it was it wasn't preached until the day of Pentecost so it hadn't become um, the new law yet Right. Before before Jesus ascended, before he had come and died and ascended, 
Um, all they had was the law and they had the uh, prophecies, the prophetic teaching of Jesus, of the Lord coming. But yeah, they didn't. But we didn't really have the gospel like we do now after after he ascended. So, All right. Does anybody have anything else before we close? All right. So I want to thank you all for your time and attention. We'll come back to question eight. I think question eight next week. So thank you.